Today's message is entitled, Perfect Peace. Everybody say that with me, perfect peace. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you because the peace that you bring is perfect. It's not like what we strive for, God. What we think is peace, God, is just a moment of pacification. We thank you, God, for an eternal peace that rests in our heart and our mind and that brings us in harmony with you. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul tells us that when it comes to evil, we should be as innocent as a child. And he says when it comes to understanding the things of God, that we should be men or we should be mature in our faith. So if we're going to enjoy perfect peace, we're going to have to have a better understanding of God than a two-year-old. So you, you, you can go to church your whole life and still not grasp who God is. Baby Jesus, the same as cross Jesus. Isn't it strange how that a, a child, now with a child you, you expect that. They, they, don't, they, they may not put that together. But for us, for those that declare that we are believers of God, then our only hope to be able to make this journey and make it through whole is to understand more about him. Say, I need better understanding. How many of you remember when you went to math class? How many of you just, math was just, you know, easy for you? I didn't really struggle with math, but I made a mistake in math. You made one mistake. No, I mean, I, mean, I, I took algebra and I skipped geometry because in my mind, geometry wasn't math. That was art, triangles and squares and, you know, and all these polygons and all that stuff. And, and then I went into trigonometry and I paid the price. I had to withdraw from that class and pick it up in a night class where I could find a teacher that would take time to explain to me because what I did is I skipped a whole portion of math that I needed to understand the next chapter. <laughs> See, sometimes what happens is we, we, we start out at the manger and we never, we never leave there. We're still adoring a baby in a manger and we don't recognize or, or comprehend what he did for us and why he did it for us and now what he wants us to do for him. Perfect peace. In Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3, it says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. The word, per, everybody say perfect peace. The word there is the same word. The word for perfect and the word for peace is the same. If you look it up, you'll find out that the Hebrew word for both of them is shalom. So he's saying shalom, shalom. In other words, he's saying, I'm going to give you a double peace. Not, not just a regular peace, but I'm going to give you double for your trouble. 
I'm going to give you a peace that passes understanding. But the question is, what is that peace? Here's what that peace is. It means to be safe, healthy, happy, prosperous, and friendly. That's what it means. I didn't make this up. This is the definition of what that peace means, to be happy. Don't worry. Be happy. Everybody turn around and look at your neighbor and say, be happy. How many of you have ever seen someone supposed to be living with God walking around like they ate raw persimmons? All puckered up and, you know, they're distorted and, you know, turn. look, this is what God's saying. What I want to give you will turn your frown upside down. The peace that I brings, that I brings, <laughs> the peace that I bring, you can tell that English wasn't my subject. <laughs> the peace that I bring is a peace that regardless of your circumstance and regardless of your situation will cause you to find an inner happiness or joy, if you will, which is next week, but that, that, that will bring it to you in spite of what you're experiencing. To be safe, healthy. How many of you want to be healthy? To be safe, to feel safe in his presence, now, and, and to be prosperous. God wants us to prosper and be in health even as our so prosperous, but here's the kicker, to be friendly. Turn around, look at your neighbor, and tell me if they look friendly. Just, yeah. how, how, many of you, how many of you have to practice your friendly face? You know what I'm talking about? I, I have to practice mine. How am I doing? <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. I'm being transparent with you. Because when I, when I, I have a tendency that when I'm walking, I'm like, you, get, you know, Paul West where he, came to me one day and he told me, he said, man, he said, I nearly ran into you in my vehicle. I said, what are you talking about? He said, we were going down Carbondale. He said, I was pulled right up beside you and I was waving at you. And he said, and you just, look ahead. So, so I laid on my horn and started blowing my horn. I was blowing my horn and waving. He said, you never looked my way. You just straight ahead. He said, I thought about swerving over, you know, to see if it got your attention. But see, sometimes we get tunnel vision. Anybody ever have that problem? You get tunnel vision. You get one thing on your mind. That's what you're focused on. That's what you're fixated on. And everything else around you gets pushed to the side. Thank you. I will. God never intended for your circumstances to dominate your life. He intended for you to find a perfect peace that allows you to navigate circumstances that would normally set people on the sideline. But because the peace that you walk in is not based on yourself, and it doesn't come from your surroundings, but it comes from him, it is a supernatural peace. Everybody say double peace. You remember double bubble, double mint, double dip? I mean, who wants to go to an ice cream shop and get, how many of you remember Baskin Robbins? 31 flavors. You remember those little spoons? 
Well, you can taste one if you'd like to. Well, how many can, well, as many as you want. I'd like to taste them all. <laughs> what are you getting at? I'm saying we settle for so much less than what God is offering us. He said, I'm just not offering you peace. I'm offering you perfect peace. I'm, I'm giving you double of what you could find on, well, you can't even find this type of peace on your own. Everybody say double. Here's the deal is how do we find it? How do we get it? How do we get this perfect peace? The Scripture told us. If your mind is stayed on your problem, nah, you won't find perfect peace that way. If your mind is stayed on the person that's causing your problem, no, that doesn't bring you perfect peace. He said, if your mind is stayed on him, you know what that word stayed means? In Hebrew, it means to stand fast, to take hold of, to lean upon. Stand fast. Come here a minute, Daryl, let me borrow you. To, to stand fast, take hold of, lean upon. So if, if, if Daryl is representing Christ today, and he, so I'm, I'm looking for that peace, and I have to stand fast by him, but not just stand by him. I need to take a hold of him and lean on him. Well, how long can you do this? As long as he can hold me up. <laughs> Thank you. What's he saying? He's saying, lean on me. Quit trying to navigate life on your own and learn how to be able to surrender and lean on. Come here a minute, babe. Run up. So, Debbie, a lot of times we used to play this game when we were younger. Are you, are you okay? No, what are you telling me to do? Do you remember the game we used to play? Like your arms? Do you trust me? <laughs> so... So we used to do that. We used to do this, and I, 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 I'd go back, and, I, and and then she would just fall. Go ahead, and I would, I would catch her and hold her up, but then she would fall. <laughs> and and see, the whole deal was this. It was like in, when we were younger. I used to be able to take catch her all the way down here. I don't trust myself now, <laughs> but, but so that we could we could lean on him. He will not drop you. He won't miscalculate. When it feels overwhelming to you, he said, cast your care on me because I care about you. I want you to walk in peace. I want you to be safe and happy and healthy and prosperous and friendly. Some of you need to practice. <laughs> friendly. Sadly, and I, I you know, uh, we had men's breakfast yesterday, and Joshua uh, spoke there, and he, he said something that really warmed my heart. He said when he, one of the reasons that he came here, he said when he came to this church, he said as soon as he walked in the front door, he found people making him feel welcome. And and loving on his family and he said but it wasn't just the greeters he said people 
that were in the congregation started coming up and, and embracing them and making them feel welcome. That's the definition of friendly to me. The man wants friends, he's got to do what? Show himself friendly. How many of you know that some people make friends easier than others? I've been trying to teach Debbie how to make friends. She struggles with it. You know, I, I've been trying to show her how you can warm up. She just, you know, who was it? Shannon said, you know, he said that he needed a, a hug. He said, you know, and, and the first thing that happened was when he walked in the door is Debbie hugged him. And there, there was one lady here earlier. I don't know if she's here today or not, but when Debbie approached her to give her a hug, she said, no, no, don't touch me. And she got saved a couple of weeks ago, and then she couldn't get over being hugged. She wanted those hugs. There's a difference. He makes a difference in our lives, so we have to stand. We have to hold on, and we have to learn how to lean on him. He'll keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on him because. Everybody say because. There's a reason I can lean on him. There's a reason I can stand and hold to him. It's because I trust him. The word trust there in Hebrew means to be bold, confident, and sure. So if you would let me read that scripture to you again in an expanded form of a definition I, that I wrote down. You will keep in perfect peace those who steadfastly take hold of and lean upon you because they have a bold confidence and they're sure of you. When you're sure of him, then storms can come and you're able to stand in the midst of the storm like a lighthouse. You remember the story storm blew up fog thick battleship on the ocean going through the fog and trying to find its way and another light is shining and the battleship is shining its light and the captain of the ship wired and said I'm in a battleship we're headed on a direct course. You need to change your direction. Man on the other side said, uh, change your direction. It really kind of ticked the captain off. He, he came back on. He said, I am the captain of a battleship. Change your direction. He said, I'm a seaman, second class change your direction oh it was on he got back on and he said i'm in a battleship headed right for you change your direction now he said i'm in a lighthouse change your direction you know what the difference is? It's whether or not you're in something that is steadfast and unmovable. It's not about shifting on the sea with the wind and the storms. It's about knowing in whom you've trusted and in whom you've believed. And Paul said, I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that that I've committed to him. Perfect peace. When you have confidence in his word, it brings that peace that perfect peace. Just ask Isaiah. 
Listen to Isaiah's words. You know what everybody had been waiting for, right? What all of Israel hoped for. Listen to what the prophet writes. 9 and 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. I want you to look at the wording. It's as if though it's already happened. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. But now watch how it changes to futuristic. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called. He's saying, unto us a son is born. Unto us a child is given. But his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. The mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And he goes on to declare in the next verse, and as his government and peace will never end. What's he doing? He's saying, I can't quite see it from where I'm at, but I know it's coming. <laughs> I've got a, I have a confidence and a, tr a sure trust in him bold to declare what he's going to bring and he's going to bring not just to me but to the world I want you to hear me if the perfect peace isn't enough to keep you how's it going to keep the world everybody say he's a big God I'm talking about a big God the government is going to be on his shoulders. Everybody say a big God. I was preaching a message one time in Muncie, Indiana. In this message, uh, in part of the message, I was to pick a person up and throw up on my shoulder. And I had picked out a small man in the back. And I asked the pastor if he would let that guy know and explain to him what was going to happen. And he said, yes, I'll let him know. We got to that point of the message, and the pastor had notified an individual that I wasn't pointing at. There was a guy that was my size behind that guy. And when I motioned for him, the little guy didn't stand up. The big guy did. And I thought, and I'm right out in the middle of it, and I'm thinking, oh, God, I need you now. I, I, I mean, I need, I need you now. And I'm thinking, oh, God, what's going to happen? And, and man, I, and, and I, 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 I'm over there, and I'm praying all the way down the aisle, and I grabbed this guy up, and I got him up like this. And when I did, I, I started to go over, and there was someone sitting in the pew next to me that put his hand out and kept me from dropping that guy backward. It was like going to be one of those, you know, WrestleMania moves. Whoop. And he, 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 do you understand? That's what God does for us. When we have something that's too big for us to carry, when all of a sudden we're out of balance in life and we feel like we're getting ready to fall, God puts his hand out and says, no, I got you, son. I got you, daughter. You're not going to fall. I'm going to take care of you because that's what I do. Everybody say perfect peace. The word declared his coming and they could see him 
through a prophetic window. So Balaam writes in Numbers 24 and 17 when he's been called to curse the children of God. But when he gets there, he can't do it. And this is what he declares. I see him, but not here and now. I perceive him, but far in the distant future, a star will rise from Jacob, and a scepter will emerge from Israel. Do you know that when the devil tries to take you out, God lifts you up? That when the devil tries to destroy you, God says, touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm. The whole world longed for a Messiah. As far back as Moses leading the children of Israel out of Egypt and they're in a wilderness and they haven't even come into a promised land yet. And yet God gives them a peek of what's going to come in the distant future. A star is going to rise in Jacob. Somebody say, that star made an appearance. Then it happens. The Prince of Peace enters our world. Luke 2, and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were afraid. And suddenly there was the angel, or with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. What, I mean, you ever uh, stop and put yourself there? I mean, this really happened. This isn't a fairy tale. Do you ever just stop and think about what it would be like for you if all of a sudden you're standing out in the dark of the night and you're, you're contemplating what you're hoping for and that one day a Messiah is going to come and you've heard it all your life and, 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 and you're trying to wrap your arms around it and you desperately need it, and, and, but it seems like it's so far removed from you and all of a sudden an angel shows up with a host behind him and they begin to sing glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Wouldn't that get you a little excited? Well, you couldn't tell it by the way you responded. <laughs> I said, wouldn't that get you a little excited? <laughs> See, here's the deal is if, if I can't get excited about him, how am I going to get anybody else excited about him? If I don't believe he is who he said he is, and if I'm not willing to stand on that promise with a double piece in my heart, knowing it might not look good, but God's not done yet. It may, it may be out of my hands, but it's not out of his hands. I may not be able to solve the issue, but my God is more than enough. Then I can stand and declare perfect peace. Being able to walk in it, to illustrate it to show it to others when he came they declared him their king man you remember baby jesus <laughs> lived a life he went about healing people doing good preaching the gospel 
And there were folks that were drawn to him. I want you to think about something. I want you to measure your love for God right now. Just try and measure it. And how, how much you're drawn to him. And I want you to contrast that with these people. Because we've never seen him, but we're drawn. He said, Thomas, because you've seen, you believe. But blessed are they that have not seen and yet believe. They saw him, and when they saw him, they responded to him. This is what the Scripture says in Luke 19. As he rode along, people were spreading their coats out on the road as an act of homage before a king. As soon as he was approaching Jerusalem near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the entire multitude of the disciples, all those who were or claimed to be his followers, began praising God, adoring him enthusiastically and joyfully with loud voices for all the miracles and works of power that they had seen. And they're declaring something. They're, this is what they're yelling. Blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Man, they, they're getting with it. Now here's a question. Can we, having not seen him, adore him, praise him, and worship him with as much enthusiasm as they did. Make me a believer. <laughs> stand, no, no, no. Stand, stand on your feet for a second and give it a shot. This is what I'm saying. No, I'm not ready for you yet, babe. That's all right. Go up there and just stand for a second. But th this is what I'm saying is that what happens is we get into a, a we, we get into routines and we get into what I call ruts. I remember I was preaching a camp meeting one time and got up behind the pulpit and started shaving. Got, got shaving cream out, smeared it all over my face, started shaving. Congregation watching me and everybody looking, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? And, and, they, and then I said, you know what? I said, what I'm doing isn't anything extraordinary. I do it every day, but just not in your presence. I said, but all of a sudden now what's something that's ordinary to me, you look at and it's extraordinary to you and you've gotten excited about it. I said, what would happen if we took the praise that we bring to God every Sunday morning and took it out of this church onto the street and begin to declare his glory, begin to love him and praise him and worship him and adore him the way we do it here. Oh, you can't really expect me to do that. Why not? When you go to a ball game, you show out. Go! Wave! You go to... <laughs> not all of you, but some of you, before you served God, used to really know how to party. You were the individual that was, there he is right there. He, he, he was the type of guy that he was going to drink the bottle dry. There wasn't going to be anything. You know, when I first came here, he was depressed and despondent. And you know what happened to him? He found perfect peace when he found Jesus. He found perfect peace. 
And now every Sunday morning, you see him roam around hugging people. He'll come up to you when your eyes are closed, man. And all of a sudden, you open your eyes, and there's Ron standing right in front of you with his big arms stretched out. Why? Because he's got something to be excited about. He's got something to be happy about. We need to let the world know who he is and what he's done. We're supposed to spread this. Go ahead, guys. The guys that Ed and Shannon, whoever else was with you, said, what are you doing? I'm skipping my notes. <laughs> See, if we're not careful, everything just becomes a routine. And we take the wonder away. You know, we do communion every first Sunday of the month. When we do communion, I close my eyes. When I take that wafer and I put it in my mouth, in my mind, I see a whip ripping flesh off his back. I don't ever want to lose the wonder of what he did. When I drank the cup, I close my eyes and I see a spike tearing through his hands and blood gushing out. Why do you do that? He said, as oft as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. You do show forth my death. What's he saying? You continually show the world the price I paid so they could have peace. Baby Jesus, cross Jesus, same guy. One. While so many often lose sight of who he is and what he came for. And I, I thought this unique because on the night that he came, <laughs> remember that star that showed up? You know who took notice of that star? It wasn't all the scribes. Even though they had that prophet, see, that a star will rise in Jacob, they're not the ones that took notice of it. Wise men take notice of it. It said that now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that's born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod heard it, Jerusalem heard it, it said they were troubled. Everybody say agitated. People that should have been, people that should have been, people that should have been watching for him weren't watching for him at all. They were too busy being troubled about the fact someone was going to upset their world. Someone was getting ready to upset normal for them. But these men had traveled far following that star on their march to a manger. When they came, they didn't give him their leftovers. 
They didn't give, look, don't you know they were wore out from that journey? They didn't show up and say, man, do you know how far we've traveled to get here? No, they came and they gave the best they had. They gave gold, they gave frankincense, and they gave myrrh. They gave gifts fit for a king. Why? Because they understood the wonderful gift he was bringing to the world. Come on and give him a hand clap of praise. Thank you, guys. You can get up. They understood. Today we do what we call march to the manger here at the church. We bring our gifts and we place them in this manger. But today I want you to do more than bring just your monetary gift. I want you to bring your best worship. I want you to bring your best love. I want you to bring your best thanksgiving and pray that I don't fall. <laughs> bring the best you have. And once you've laid that monetary gift in a manger, raise your hands and give him the rest of your gift. This holiday season, let's show them what Christmas is all about. Let's show them that it's about Jesus. And it's okay if you get a little bit excited. It's, it's all right if you get a little bit beside yourself. Because you know what? Hey, let me tell this to you. You may say, but pastor, you don't understand what I'm going through. You come up and you give your best to him. You give your best worship, your best praise, and you hear what I'm going to tell you. God is going to visit your life and you're going to experience the best he has. He said, no, I'm not just going to bring you peace. I'm going to give you perfect peace. I'm going to give you double. I hesitate to say this, but I'm going to. I'm already out there. If you used to drink and you didn't want to mess around, you'd say, make mine a double. I still drink. I just drank from a different bottle. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't give up partying, I just changed crowds. <laughs> and I still dance, I just dance with a new partner. His name is Jesus. Think about it, when they showed up that day in the book of Acts, they said these men, they're looking at him and they're thinking these guys are flipped out and Peter has to tell them they're not drunk like you think they are. <laughs> he didn't say they weren't drunk, he said they just didn't get there the way you think they did. But this is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel more than 400 years prior. God keeps his promises. He kept it to them. He keeps it to us. So I want you to come today and I want you to give, but I want you to also be a receptacle to receive. Would you do it right now as they sing it? Go ahead. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Yeah, don't, don't go back to your seat. Just hang out. Just hang out. 
What's going on? We it, it always it, it always bothered me when I had folks come up to me and they begin to question the power of God. I'm thinking, do you really are you really trying to tell me that the God you serve is so small that He can't apprehend your life and take you off your feet? And I'm not about uh, I'm not I'm not trying to get a manifestation of being taken off somebody's feet. I'm just saying. If you reduce God in your mind to someone you control and manipulate, yes. how is he ever going to be able to rule and reign in your heart and give you the peace that you so desperately need? You know, there's a lot of things that surround you. A lot of things that, that are, are even tempting, you know, that, that they, they come decorated and they come dressed up and, and they, 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 it's like that they vie for our attention. But God called you out. He set you aside. And he's going to equip you with exactly what you need to fulfill the call in your life. And there is a call in your life. Are you ready for it? I want you to stretch your hands to heaven with me right now and say, come on, raise those hands up. Just lift your head up and say, I'm ready, God. I, I'm giving you my best, God. I'm I say get a grip on him don't let go of him he said I'll keep you in perfect peace be confident and sure 
It's been a lifetime of pouring into. Of building and hearing so that he wouldn't be easily swayed. And he's not going to be. He's going to be the light in the middle of the room. Amen. Come on, give God a hand clap of praise. Thank you for it, Father. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. When you come into his presence, I'm going to share this with you, and I'll let you go right after this. I shared this maybe a few weeks ago. There's a boy, there were five of us. I had two other brothers and two sisters. And I was, you know, when we went grocery shopping, my mind always, you know, went toward numbers. And I, my, this is before they put any of those tags on the shelf. And we'd be grocery shopping, and I'd walk up to my dad, and I said, Dad, I said, you're paying 3.8 ounces per can for these green beans, and this, this can of green beans is only 2.4 cents per ounce. And Dad would just look at me and shake his head. <laughs> I think maybe, maybe it was because God was getting me ready for some mission work where you had to try and make every penny count and stretch it as far as you could. But it also made me mindful of sacrifice. We went to Dairy Queen, and when we went to Dairy Queen, Dad was asking everyone, what do you want? And Daryl ordered a double brownie delight, and another. I think Paul got a banana split, and you know, everybody was ordering these great big things. And Dad, and I'm calculating all this stuff in my head. And Dad came to me and he said, what do you want, son? I said, I'll just take a small ice cream cone. He said, what? He said, don't you want something else? I said, no, Dad. I just want a small cone. I'll never forget Dad coming to the car with the biggest ice cream cone I'd ever seen in my life. That thing... Was standing. No, this was more than double. This was like triple, man. That dude, that dude was standing like that tall, and my eyes got big. And it made me think about God. How that sometimes we're always settling for something less because we're concerned that we're going to be a bother to God or a problem to God. And, and God turns around and he says, you need to understand I can do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you can ask or think. So go ahead, ask him. Ask him to do something big in your life. And hear me, understanding that something big in your life may be you smiling at your neighbor and showing kindness and it giving them hope that they matter and that God cares. Amen. Let's give him one more hand clap of praise today. Would you take each other by the hand across this building as we get ready to dismiss? Each one of us are uniquely made. Scripture said fearfully and wonderfully made. And I want you to hear me. God designed us in such a way that we are each and every one uniquely a gift to one another. 
in some form or fashion. Some of you, your smiles lift hearts. For others, it's your words of kindness that make a difference. Others, it's a coconut cream pie. <laughs> or or it's, it, it, it's just, it's a fruitcake. Or those are all hints. No, <laughs> it's just because of who God made you to be. So this is what I want you to prayer to be today as we end the service. God, let me be the best me I can be for you. I don't want to use excuses. Go ahead, say it with me. Because you made me special. And I want to fulfill that call in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give me one more clap of praise. God bless you. We love you guys. Have a Merry Christmas.